What an interesting time to be alive. We are in the middle of a pandemic. Things are beginning to open up. We're regathering and we're doing so, I believe, I think I can speak for everybody in the room, having experienced all kinds of apocalyptic movements in our lives. Remember the word apocalypse means a revealing or an unveiling of something that was previously hidden or unseen. And I think that's been all of our experience, right? That we have had things exposed within our own hearts, within ourselves. We've had things exposed among us in terms of things that we value or things that we are engaged in and we we're seeing them in a new way. And one of the new possibilities that's been unveiled during this time is this. We as the church, we don't need to regather. Right? I mean, think about that. We're now at a place in history where with a few tech upgrades, we can simply stream some songs. I can do, uh, we can stream some prayers and a message, done and done. And our church can just take it all in from the comfort of their homes, which should drive us to a question. Why bother to regather at all? Why, why are we here this morning? Why go through all the trouble of extra services and extra cleaning and extra preparation and extra work? If even if we're allowed to regather together, even if the government and the health authorities say, yeah, this is permissible, why not just leverage technology and gather virtually and to do that perpetually? I think that's a really important question to think through right now because it should drive us to reckon with some important truths about the nature of what it means to be the church, what God wants for his church and how God desires to be worshiped and glorified as the church, through the church. Let me share six things that, six reasons why I think it's really critical that we regather during this time even when the option to not is permissible and maybe even in some ways easier. Number one, the most important things in life are mediated through physical presence. In Exodus 33, 11, it says that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Part of the testimony of scripture is that face to face connection matters. And I think we've all been learning that truth in a deeper way, haven't we? And I think of especially those people I know within this church who have not been able to draw near to loved ones during a time of loss or hardship due to physical restrictions, physical distancing restrictions, right? Whether it's a hospital visitation or a funeral or a wedding or a graduation, not being able to gather physically and celebrate together these important, critical, uh, deeply significant times in life. There's something that just feels so wrong about it. There's a level of relationship that can't be touched or developed, no matter how many texts you send or emails or Zoom calls you organize. I think this has shown all of us in a way that maybe we 
kind of understood before, but now we feel it in our bones that we are designed to be in face-to-face relationship with one another. And without those face-to-face connections over time, those connections atrophy, just like a muscle that isn't being used. And so one of the reasons why we as a church has have decided to bother with regathering is because the most important things in life are mediated through physical presence. And the most important thing in life is learning how to love God and love other people in the context of worshiping God together with other Christians. Number two, Christ's presence and power are experienced in a unique way when we gather in the context of praise and prayer and preaching. This is a tough one to explain theologically, but if you're a disciple of Jesus, you you know it's true. Right? I mean, Christ walks with us individually. Um, his spirit leads and guides us daily as we look to him and learn to um, receive from him on a daily level. But something happens when we come together as a group to prioritize praising God together, praying together, and exposing ourselves together in real time to the power of God's word. Psalm 133.1 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live, or some translations say, dwell together in unity. When we're together, unified, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, Christ's presence and power is experienced in a unique way. Number three, there's unique strengthening that comes from gathering as the church. Right? This point is tied to the last one. When we go out of our way to gather together, God blesses us in ways we didn't even realize we needed. He supplies needs that we were unaware of. He strengthens and encourages places that we were blind to even, it wasn't even on our radar to ask for. Maybe it's through a conversation or an exchange that wouldn't have happened had you stayed home. Maybe in the context of worship, there's a particular lyric that the Holy Spirit just uses to bring a truth home into your heart. Maybe it's a line or something in the message where God just confirms and affirms something that you needed to hear that day. Maybe it's just seeing someone at church, right, across the room, and and you take this split-second moment to consider their story and their journey and how easy it would be for them to throw in the towel, to not show up. And yet here they are witnessing to God's power and goodness. Some of the most emotional times I've had in church have been times where in the context of worship, I've looked around the room and I've seen someone and I've been reminded of their story and I know what they're carrying whether it's the gloom or the heartache, the depression, the loss. And I know what it takes for them to show up and not just show up, but like really show up, not just attend, but show up on Sunday and gather together with other Christians and sing and pray and pour their hearts out before God. And I've left many services with tears in my eye. And that was the most powerful thing that God used that, that morning to strengthen me, to encourage me, to inspire me. I mean, haven't we had that experience 
right? It's Sunday morning. You you wake up. You're kind of like, I'm not feeling it today. It would just be easier to move through Sunday, gain some extra hours on a, on on the weekend. And yet, at the end of the service, you end up thinking like, wow, I'm so glad I did not skip today. God wanted me at the service. There was, again, an exchange. There was a word. There was a line. There was something that really hit home. God needed me here this morning. I needed this. Right? Ephesians 6 says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That strengthening that Paul is speaking into the lives of the Ephesians, that armoring up to give us power to walk the, the walk of faith, that often happens in the context of gathered worship. It's a daily thing that we have to do individually, but there is a special strengthening that happens when Christians come together and are pursuing and seeking God together in the context of worship and his word. Number four, we regather because love and affection for one another is strengthened when we gather together. Not as a pastor, but speak, speaking simply as Jeff the Christian, I have an ever-deepening love and appreciation for and connection for the Christians in this particular congregation that I just simply don't share with other Christians in Nelson. And that's not because I don't invest necessarily in other Christians and in, in, in relationships with other Christians in the city, because I certainly do. But I think it's because I consistently gather together with you and I worship shoulder to shoulder with you and I teach and learn along with you and I pray with you. And one of the dominant truths that the New Testament wants to um, bring home is that the church is a redeemed family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And part of how God uses Sunday gatherings is to deepen and expand our love and appreciation for one another. Not in a, not in a um, wide net, like, oh, all the, my love and appreciation for all Christians is growing. No, it's my love and appreciation for these people who God has gifted me with in this family. God uses times of gathered corporate prayer and worship to knit our hearts together. And that process is often slow, maybe even invisible, but it is steady and it happens. And that connection just can't be replicated were we to all isolate in our technological silos. 1 Peter 1.22 calls us to want, love one another deeply from the heart, like a depth of love that doesn't just go to like being nice or being um, kind, but like a deep love. I don't know how we fulfill that command if we don't spend time in each other's presence through the week, but also if we don't gather together and seek God together physically. Number five, there are just some faith-forming practices that need critical mass. We can absolutely worship on our own, pray on our own, learn within our household, grow on our own. And we should be seeking to do that. That's part of what it means to be a disciple, is learning daily how to follow Jesus. 
But let's be honest, there are some movements of God in our lives that are reserved for times of dedicated corporate worship. So when we gather here on a Sunday, this is more than just the sum of its parts. God brings all the preparation, all the pieces together, and then often does something in and through this time that can't be outsourced to any particular activity or cluster of activities at the individual level. And, and I would even push that further and say maybe even at a small group level, there are things that happen when 30, 50, 80, 100 or more people gather together seeking to glorify God that just doesn't happen at the individual or small group level. That's why Christians for thousands of years across centuries have prioritized meeting at least weekly. I really believe, and I can trace certain moves of God in my life that only happened because I went out of my way to gather with a body of Christians who I was in relationship with and we were united in seeking him. That's why the New Testament, in all of its language of you ought to, or um, you are called, or this is who you are, those aren't, it, those aren't singular yous, but they get, it gets translated as you, but it really should be translated as you all. It's plural. The New Testament presumes all the instruction, all the worship, all the prayer is being mediated through a corporate worship gathering. You then take it into your life as individuals, but it presumes that Christians are meeting together consistently. One person that I was reading this week said, if our faith is such that we can practice it just as well alone as together, if our faith is the sort of thing that we can live out in isolation, never needing the presence of other people for their good or for ours, are we truly still the church? I don't think we are. Finally, physically gathering reminds us of our identity and mission as the church. I want to get a little high level here. The, the word we translate as church in the New Testament is ecclesia, and it means the assembly or ones called out to assemble by a herald. So there's a call, we're going to be gathering, people gather together, they're called out from their regular life to assemble together, right? Think Avengers, Avengers assemble. When we leave our homes on a Sunday morning or and, and, we, and we travel to a dedicated space of worship, we should be reminded of our identity and mission. We should be reminded that we have been called by Jesus out of a way of life that um, is divorced from God and is consciously or unconsciously participating in spiritual darkness. And we are called to a light, to be light and life, to receive from Jesus, to gather together, to be reminded and strengthened in the, in the fact that Jesus is our authority. Jesus is our power. And then we move back into the rest of the week under his authority and leadership. And the physical act of moving from home to church can actually serve as a powerful meditation on the fact that while Jesus has been moving among us at the individual level, 
Now we get to be called out from the regular pattern of our life and to experience his grace and love and truth together in a special way and to be reminded that we belong to Jesus and that we are being sent by Jesus back out into our lives to live out his mission as a group that represents him to the world. And speaking for myself, it's hard to be reminded that we are the ecclesia, we are the called out ones when I don't even have to get out of my bed to go to church. No judgment on anybody who is like chilling at home, listening to this or, you know, I'm, I'm no judgment. Well, maybe a little bit, <laughs> but you know what? I think you hear my heart. What I'm trying to say is that the physical act of interrupting our rhythm to gather together on the Lord's day on Sunday morning is it's at least an unconscious reinforcement that we are called and gathered by Jesus in Jesus for Jesus and then to go and serve and love him and love people out of that gathering. Now, I know there are those who are choosing not to gather at this time. How do I want them to receive this message? Well, I want to make it very clear. I don't want you to receive this message as any kind of a guilt trip. There is no reason to feel guilt over choosing not to attend a corporate gathering in the context of a pandemic over concern that either personally or someone in your household might be exposed um, to a serious disease that could do serious harm. In choosing to not gather in this context, that is an act of love. And I see it as an act of, of faithfulness that each Christian has to uh, process in terms of their own conscience before God. And I know that the vast majority of people who aren't here this morning, it's not because they just secretly wanted to free up a few hours on the weekend. They're choosing to not gather in order to love their neighbor well. And I believe to that extent, God will bless that decision because of that intention. God sees the heart. He knows you're not gathering or you're choosing to stay home, not because it's easier or more expedient or that's even what you prefer or want. And so I don't want you to hear this as a any kind of a leverage point where I'm trying to lean into those who have decided not to regather during this time. I'm just trying to say this is why, as a church, we are taking steps to regather, even though we don't, quote unquote, need to from a logistical point of view. But for those of you who are choosing not to regather during this time, I invite you to rem remind yourself consistently that that is not the ideal. And allow God to use this time of separation to create a deeper appreciation and hunger for regathering together with other Christians in the context of worship. Ask God to protect you from the temptation to see Sunday morning as uh, Sunday morning distanced church or virtual connection as a viable long-term option. It's great as a supplement. It's uh, necessary and good in the context that we find ourselves. But whenever there's a chance to gather with God's people, 
our default position should be, I'd like to do that. I want to make that happen for the reasons that I've listed and maybe many more that are have been made known to you throughout your experience of prioritizing Sunday worship. So why are we bothering, bothering to regather as a church? Six reasons. Number one, the most important things in life are mediated by presence. Number two, Christ's presence and power are experienced in a unique way when we gather in the context of praise and prayer and preaching. Number three, there is a unique strengthening that comes from gathering as the church. Number four, love and affection for one another is deepened when we gather together. Number five, there are some faith-forming practices and movements of God that need critical mass in the context of worship and his word. And lastly, physical, physically gathering reminds us of our identity and mission as the church. So as you go, family and friends of Nelson Covenant Church, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.